Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, people. This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is Season season 3 of Better Better Let Let Me Tell tell you. You. I saw that movie only once. I think maybe twice. I liked her more in Can't Hardly Wait. Well, I mean, yeah, she was the you know the object of everyone's desire. <laughs> uh, you know what? She was supposed to be the new generation's Alyssa Milano, but let's let's face it. There's only one Alyssa Milano. There's only one and Alyssa Milano. And I love J Love. Yeah, yeah, me too. Especially Japan loved her too. Yeah, I know. She helped them get loud. Well, wait, Japan loved Alyssa Milano, Milano too. too. So maybe that was the key. Oh, Okay. okay, okay, I get it. They both had fictional mothers that died. That's true. Okay, wait, I like where this is going. They both had nice racks. Um, Dark hair. They both lived in the East Coast. Yes. Um, okay, I, I don't um, know Party of Five that well. <laughs> no, I'm trying to go for I'm just going for like in general. I, though I would say I would say Jennifer Love Hewitt had a more successful film career than Alyssa. Oh, well, no, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But Alyssa Milano is Alyssa Milano. Uh, do you have your own uh, sports memorabilia line for women? Were you front the front and center at the Kavanaugh hearings? Did you have an aerobics video? Did you have Tony Danza <laughs> as a father? Uh, don't we all wish? Yeah. You know, jazz dancing, step dancing, tap dancing, tap dancing yes. Tony Danza. So with that, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> Welcome to episode 117. Of Pero Let Me Tell You. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love Alyssa Milano? It's I mean, true. You know, I will say one of the best memories I have of a Broadway show was um, it was on it was on Broadway for like 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm laughing for another reason, but oh, go ahead. It was on Broadway for like 10 seconds. It was the musical version of Honeymoon in Vegas, uh-huh. but Tony Danza was starring in it. Yes. And there's literally a moment where the whole show just basically stops so he can do a tap dance routine. Yeah. 
And I was like, you know what? That's it. Yes, I just saw, it. I saw Tony Danza tap dance live. Okay. One of my favorite stories of yours, and we got to make this quick because this is like a you and I story, was uh, what you told me that you saw Debbie Gibson. I don't know after, what. After Cabaret. Yeah. After she was in it with Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. And her hair was like, when you saw her she outside. so much volume. <laughs> and you were like, how does she have so much volume in her hair? If she had a wig. Like, I don't know why I remember that story. Because <laughs> it's a great story. It was just Volume, so much volume. Mira, y ahora la, um, la Lyme disease, la, la garrapata, garrapata acabó con el pelo <laughs> de ella. Pelo de y ella. tiene dos, dos mechas de pelo. But you know what? It's okay. I like her new song, Girls Night Out, yeah. even though I know it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, everybody. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. How is everybody doing? Um, here we are in episode 117. Yes. And, you know, soon we'll be in like episode 150. And we'll be like, remember our 100th episode? Yeah. That we did so hopefully not by 150, we'll be able to do a party. So, Hopefully. Well, who knows? I'm saying hopefully. So I'm maintaining hope. let's start off talking about the elephant in the room, which... I feel a triggered. Okay, I've gained a couple of pounds in this <laughs> corona thing. All so, right. okay, obviously, you know, anything you speak about nowadays is going to be coronavirus related. Yes. So, specifically here in Miami, we... Okay, so gyms, pretty much most things have to close. Right, they right? opened up. We opened up. They opened up. Then we closed. Then we closed. Then we opened some stuff. And then we closed some then stuff. Then we closed some stuff. And then we opened some stuff, but it has to be outside. Right, right. <laughs> That's like, I thought it was really interesting. It's like opposite side and of the we street parking. discussed this was that, okay, so the city of Miami, when the curfew was in, the right. city of Miami put a curfew. So did Miami-Dade County. Right. Right? But then the city of Miami removed the curfew. But the, the county But the did county not. did not. Right. But the city of Miami is within the county. Right. So, so it's like, okay, wait, what? Like, what? So It's now, like having a conversation with a Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, wait. It I is. remember. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. When the whole thing with the curfew happened, it was one of those moments that I had. I was like, am I getting something wrong? Like, is the city of Miami no longer in Miami-Dade County? Like, right. Did they move did, it when I wasn't looking? Like, yeah. Did something change that I didn't know about? Because it, it, it's it, it's completely contradictory. I would understand the reverse. The reverse makes sense. Correct. Right? The reverse makes total sense. Right. And it even makes logical sense because... That's where the protests were. That's where the protests were. That's where most restaurants are, right. where most, most clubs are at and bars are in the city of Miami around downtown. Right. So it wouldn't make sense if there were stricter rules there right. because those are the social hubs mm -hmm. of, you know, the... Miami-Dade County area than, you know, suburban West Kendall. Right, right. right. But no, 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 no. No. It was it was the other way around. <laughs> so That's how we like to do it here. So, okay. So, <clears throat> I've been very vocal here in terms of what I think about reopening and reopening too fast. Although the economy was tanking and something needed to be done about the right, economy right. and something still needs to be done about the economy. And I, I feel absolutely terrible about it. And I'm worried about it. We all You're understood. You're feeling it firsthand. Too. Yeah, I'm feeling it firsthand. We all understood the implications of opening the economy too quickly. Right. But we finally opened. Okay. So restaurants in particular, especially small restaurants, had to now, out of their pocket pay for infrastructure they didn't need before right. like putting plexiglass and moving their tables and masks all that stuff and, masks right. and retraining their employees right. and right? reducing capacity Redu I've, all that I've, well, all that I've been, to a few, I've been to a few restaurants I've been, <clears throat> I me. went to the Cheesecake Factory and they had like one table here yeah. one table there yeah. 
I thought that the places that I went out to dinner and I, and I went out to eat at both like established chain restaurants right, and, and like local mom and pop restaurants. Mm -hmm. I thought everybody did a really good job yeah, at social likewise, distancing. Likewise, they were well. taking your temperature. They were putting plexiglass and all that. Okay, so we're not going to allow that. Now, now we're not going to allow that. But you can go to the gym. Can somebody explain to me the so, logic behind that? So I actually was having this conversation with Jose yesterday. I uh, I don't get it, but I get it. You get it, but you get it? Yes, I don't get it, but I get it. Now, I'll explain what that means. The gyms have reopened, but they've placed stricter rules in the gym in the sense that you cannot take your mask off at all while you're in the gym, pop, 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 right? So on and so forth. The inherent problem with eating at a restaurant indoors is that eventually at some point, you will have to take your mask off. You will have to expose yourself, like it or not. Because at a gym, you don't have to take off your mask. You know what I mean? Like a gym, there's no there's no inherent quote unquote reason to take off your mask. But if you're going out to eat, you are inherently going there to eat, which requires the use of your right. mouth, which is behind your mask. Mm -hmm. So I can, I get it. I don't agree with it, but I understand right, it. But if you, but here's where I would counter that. Because obviously, I think that your logic is probably the logic that they used in not that they or, said it or by, similar you, but it's probably you. similar logic to what they right. used in opening gyms and then closing down restaurants yes but when you are at a restaurant you are sitting down you're not moving right true so if, true. We're, if we are going to go by what we know now that it's six feet right Right, in the gym, there's no and, way to keep six. And in the restaurants, right. uh, again, the the restaurants that I've been to, they have been like communist about the six feet. You know, like, you know, they've done it like ten feet, right? <laughs> yeah. And you have to have your mask on until you're seated. Yes, yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. See, I I forgot. I think it was a cheesecake factory that a somebody came in behind me, and the moment he came in, he took off his mask, and the lady was like, "Sir, you need to put your mask back on." Because I think you can't take it off until, until you you're seated. seated. Absolutely, because that defeats the purpose. In the booth, right? right? So, so y yes, you do have to take your mask off so yeah, the germs can fly. But again, unless you are like coughing like out loud, like right, big right, time. no, but but whereas in a gym, in a gym, people are moving around in a gym, especially in the free weight section. That because, is true. Because as we discussed earlier, a couple of weeks ago, back. I could understand. See, grab the twenties, then put them down. Get I could the 30s, understand yeah. in a gym if they do it in the cardio area, or if it's one of those like small, like personal trainer type gyms, because right. there's somebody there who's who could literally but, just but be that, on top. But of let's it. just talk about a regular gym. In okay. a regular gym, I could understand how they could do it in a in a cardio area because cardio machines are stationary, right? Right. You so do every you, other machine, right. or whatever. so you do every other machine or every two machines. You put plexiglass. You have somebody Done. disinfected. Right. Whatever. But that, you know, cardio is maybe 25% of a gym. Right. Everything else is free weights and machines and all that stuff where people are walking around. How many times do, you know, people like you, three people are using the same machine. So these are yeah. all things that like. You have to account for. You have to account for yeah. and you have to like then be right. on top of. Right. Because you know what? Yes. They're not letting the, they're not letting the gym be at full capacity. Well, what about if everybody wanted to use a bench press? Right. Also, how are they controlling the capacity thing? Are you going to the gym? I, I'm genuinely asking. Am I going to the gym? I, My gym closed down. Not you. I mean, how are they closing? Well, yeah, that, that, that'll that'll keep you home. That'll definitely keep you safe. 24-hour fitness closed down. The one here. Um, no, my, my question was, because 
they're saying social distancing at the gym, or it's at, not at full capacity. How are they controlling that? Do you know? I don't know. Well, they probably you have to know how many people. They probably know how many people are in the gym at one point. Yes. Right. So, but if somebody, I show up, right, if you show up. Oh no, we're at full capacity. You can't go in. Right. I don't know. Then I go home, or I have right. to wait for twenty minutes. Right. Or how do they control that? I don't know. I don't know. I just it doesn't make sense to me. Like it doesn't right. make sense that they open gyms again. Like and again, no offense to the people in the gym community. I know especially well, it's not their fault. The personal I mean. tra- no, no, but a lot of personal trainers were very upset when they closed the gyms right. again. And I understand, you know, that they make their That's living out of this. It is, you know, but again, and and I miss going to the gym. I'm the I first one that's so dying hard. to go back to the gym, any gym. But again, I mean, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me about restaurants right. and then gyms. Right. Um, so, but you know what is opening this weekend? Is Disney World. Is it really? It is opening July 10th, 11th. Well, Universal's already open. Well, there we go. Yeah. So what do we think about that? Uh, so what are the parameters? I mean, obviously it's at reduced capacity. Reduced capacity. And it's social just distancing. Just the rides, or how, how? What? Like, I guess my question is, what is what opening? I've read is they're because downtown Disney has been open for a while now. Yeah, it, from what I've read, it's reduced capacity and social distancing. Knowing Mickey, knowing Disney World, they, they probably they will have, have people with like a six foot stick. Disney's figured it out. Like, if I, if I'm gonna trust anybody to have figured out a way to combat this and keep making right, money, but, but, it's Disney. but that goes to the point that I was but, saying. You're opening up a theme park, but you're not gonna open up a restaurant, right? And then, okay, here's a really stupid question. I know this sounds really stupid, but these are things we have to think about. Okay, so are you going to put the ride to full capacity? So when I sit right. in well, Thunder well, Mountain or in Space how many Mountain... Seat, how many carritos are empty? Right. And when I... When, no. Like, like two? If if the person in front of me is somebody ah! that's not in my party, yeah. do they have to wear a mask when they're screaming, ah! On, uh, you know what? They probably do have to keep their masks on. They probably have to keep their masks on. Keep their masks so on. then, va a estar pasando calor in Disney World con la máscara puesta, especially now that it's July. You oh. know, so it's like going to Disney in July is just asking for trouble to begin with. Yes, regardless of <laughs> are are the are the um, water parks open? That's a very good question. I don't know. I don't know. I would hope not. But I don't know, and it's just. I mean, I was I got tested this week. Mm-hmm. Because I had a pseudo scare. What's your pseudo? Oh, I didn't know about this. I know. I saved it for the episode. You saved it for our episode. I saved it look for at the what episode. he look at what he does, people. See, like I risk infect infection infect, infection to just bring you entertainment. Yeah. Um. So this past weekend we went away for for the Fourth of July. Um. Rented a house up in in Lake Worth with some friends, and you know everybody was negative. I mean, we we knew everybody. It was a small group of like it was six of us okay so again under 10 right it's we're, we're adhering um so we're driving up we drive up we get there and that same we went up thursday that friday no that thursday one of our friends she works at the fiu medical uh center she gets a call and she goes and she comes back and she's like hey guys i have some bad news i'm like why what happened Apparently, a girl that she worked with, or she works with, tested positive because the girl's stepfather tested positive. And so now she had the next day, she had to come back all the way from Palm Beach down to Dade County to take the test and whatever. So basically, for the next couple of days, we were like, okay, well, you know, we're all social distancing. Mind you, we're like within a house. So we basically told her, we're like, don't touch anything in the kitchen. We'll cook. We'll, you know, just don't, just get in the pool because that's chlorine and that kills everything, right? Like, that's fine. So whatever, she goes and she gets tested. We find out that it's negative. But then, but, turns, then. but then, twist. <laughs> Another friend of ours, he had gone 
to the house of some other friends. Turns out that um, one of the guys at, in that in that house is a nurse. Turns out that he's tested positive. So then we're like, well, shit, you were at the house and then you were with us. So what if, you know, yeah, she came out negative, but what if you're positive? And what? it just became a whole thing. So basically, Rosmina Cuenta, we spent uh, two hours in line. Where did you go? <laughs> we went to the Walgreens up in North Miami. Actually, it's a, it's a Walgreens that's been closed for like, Three or four years. There's a Walgreens that closed. There's a Walgreens that closed in North Miami. Um, but they still own the building. Walgreens still owns the building. I don't know. How does a Walgreens or CVS close nowadays? I think maybe because you open so many of them near each other, they cannibalize. <laughs> they cancel each other. They cancel out, each yeah. other out. So and um so my youngest nephew's godmother is a pharmacist with Walgreens. She was over there doing the tests. So I texted her and she was like, Yeah, just come, you know, whatever, we'll go through. So it was, you know. We were in was line. It, drive-thru? it was drive through. We were in line for about, like I said, like an hour and a half just to get up to the thing. So then when you get there, they um, they give you the little swab. They undo the package. It's in un carrito. They push the carrito towards you. It has your name and your ID thing, whatever. You take the swab yourself and you got to shove it up your nose. Oh, yes. Oh. oh, yeah. They're not touching you at all, babe. No. You got to shove it up your nose. Do it like five times in each nostril. Then put it back into the little sobrecito thing. And then, um, you know, we got our results back within like maybe an hour. What did you have to pay for it? At most. Nope, it was free. Now, I don't know if it was free because I, you know, I have, right, right, right. I have a hookup or if it no, was the free reason because I ask is whatever, generally the ones that you get the results in quick, quick is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, now, so we, you know, we tested negative and, and I know people are there, oh, false negatives 30% of the times. So I'm like, look, 30% of the time is pretty, okay, but no, but I, you, I wouldn't take those odds. Right. In Vegas, but right? you, you did what you had to but do. But I did what I had to do and, you know, and I got tested and, and you know, it's so funny because all I could think of is like, wow, here we are two gay men sitting in a car going to get tested. And it's like, <laughs> it felt, it felt so like hiv-ish you know what i mean like drive through hiv yeah tests. it just felt so like you know did you get your results no it's Are funny you positive because, yes no because being paused means being something paused else is something now. else now oh yeah God. it's so bizarre to me it's I mean, so bizarre but i mean louis aguirre tested positive yeah well but louis aguirre i could understand because i mean he's at out cha- on the field no no actually it's because at channel 10 there were five people who tested positive right in the newsroom right no but they're journalists yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what i no, mean no, but i'm just saying like you know what Pacatuea. like you know I mean, imagine just keeping social distance in, a, in, in an a, interview in a, no in a newsroom in a newsroom yeah you know it's, it's gotta be um, difficult yeah no and with the numbers now that we have somebody that you know is bound to have it's it. going to be one of those things yeah um, it, it's gonna i mean you know like now we know i know two people who yeah. have it you know yeah. what i mean it's, you're gonna know somebody who maybe knows somebody that has it. yeah yeah uh i just think that there's well, actually, still people an who, old um classmate of ours from high school has it she lives in texas but okay. you know um i just think it's I don't understand the people who still are downplaying this. Who? Well, I, I, I think the reason they're downplaying it is because, and I'll and I'll use I'll use Louis as the example, only because I mean he's announced it and he's sharing all his story on his Instagram uh, page. But you know he's got it, but he's like I feel fine. I just did a Peloton class. I did whatever. So what you're seeing is you know people are testing positive, but there's no like. Right, but the you, expectation was like when you're positive, right? But the thing is that look, look at this poor guy, Nick Cordero. Nick Cordero. I mean, that poor guy took three months to die. 
They had to amputate his leg. Yep. They're going to amputate his lungs. And he was young. He was our age. He was our age. He was our age. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of young people that have died. I, I remember the first victims here in Miami. Wait, no. That wasn't, wasn't there a sheriff? Where, where a sheriff all, like, who was like young, a big, healthy, young, muscular young guy. People. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. The, because people keep saying, oh, the mortality rate is really low. Yeah, it's really low. But there's still people dying from it. And when you have now... <clears throat> Hundreds of thousands of people that are infected, guess what? The mortality rate, even if it's under 5%, you're now talking about thousands of right, people. Right. You, you know, no, and you, I get it, but I mean, at the same point, like, I also understand to tie it back to what we were talking about a little earlier, you know, in terms of like small businesses and things like that. Like, people want to get back to their lives. People you know want I mean? to get so, back to their lives, but so I, I get it. I get, the, I get, like, I get, I get it, it too. But the concession that you have to make is to wear a freaking mask. Oh no, wear the fucking so, mask. So it's like, what, what's like? Okay. No, 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 no. Wear the mask. Wear the what, mask. But where, I'm saying, where, like, where the fuck? I'm not gonna stay home for the rest of my wear life. Wear the mask and make some adjustments. You know, you know what? It's okay, boo boo. You don't have to go to the bar. You know, it's okay. It's, it's okay. cheaper to drink at home. It, it, it's okay that you don't have to go to a concert. You know, it's okay. This is going to be there when it comes back. Right. This right? too shall pass. You know, it's just to make some adjustments. Right. right. Some adjustments. Short term. Short term. Nobody, nobody's asking you to eat ramen noodles and not leave your house in five years. Right? I still would eat ramen noodles, but yes. I know ramen noodles. Mira, so mira. Do you not make ramen noodles? With butter. With butter. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. Mira. But I don't have ramen noodles, the, the cheap ones. I don't have it as a soup. You I use it as like I have a, I, like I, a, I make like a pasta almost. I make it. I drain it because right. you know it's really supposed oh, to be yeah. as a soup. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I drain it and I add butter to oh, it. Oh yeah, that's just and good. then and then I add a little bit of soy sauce. Ooh. And then if I have green onions like the chop scallions, I up. chop them. <gasps> so good. Oh my god, can we have that after we're done so recording? Good. I think I like the creamy chicken. I sure. I don't care. <laughs> I'll take I it. mean, just thinking about that makes your blood pressure go up because of the sodium. But you know, who cares? Who cares? We're, it's ten cents. We're making some sacrifices all around. Um. So yeah. So let's see what happens. The numbers are just staggering. They're just horrible. They are. And, they are. And, and I, I mean, it could again. I know I'm being half full almost. You know, it could be worse. Um. But just wear your masks, people. Like that's all we're asking. No, it, it, look, it, it, it could it. be worse. It's not Ebola. Right. It's right. not Ebola. But, right. but as I said, you know, people, people are like, oh, you know, the mortality rate, the mortality rate is really low. Yes. But when you're talking about now that there's millions of people that have been infected in the United States. Right. 5% okay, of that number is still. It's still thousands of people. Right. It's right. thousands of people. That and if you can. And if you can prevent even a fraction of them from and and from dying. and, and right. the United States is the only country that has resurged because the other countries in Europe, which at one point were hotspots. They've gone down and they've sort of kept it down, right? Right, but, but you know, you know, some people. Darian, are here. Darian, we have to be number one at everything, yeah, number, including coronavirus. Everything, everything. So you know, speaking <laughs> of being number one, oh god. So I posted something on my regular Instagram today, uh, and I was gonna post it on ours, but then I was like, let me not, because then we. So have you heard of Katie going. Miller? So I have only because I saw your your Instagram. Okay, so Katie Miller, she is the press secretary for Mike Pence. Yes. And she is also the wife of Stephen Miller. Do you know who Stephen Miller is? I do not. Stephen Miller was actually the very first person I gave a Coke to in episode one. I actually gave him a flat Coke because I'm quite sure that he is the son of... Of some spawn of Satan. Oh, wow. Yeah. he He's like our age. He's like either in his late 30s, early 40s, and he looks like an evil, like, robot. Oh, is it like the way that Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz are the same age, but Ted Cruz is Takabal? Sort of. But Ted Cruz looks much better with a beard. 
Yeah, but Ted Cruz still... And does Marco, not, Ted Cruz does not look Marco Rubio's age. And Marco Rubio would look so much better if he had different hair. Yeah, he has that like private school, like yeah. third grade. I mean, for God's hair, sake, Marco yeah. Rubio, you went to you went to the phone parties. You went to phone parties. Come you went on, to phone parties. Come, come on. on, come on, come on, <laughs> come on, Marco, little Marco. Okay. Anyway, so this Katie Miller girl, okay, okay. Uh, she is. I don't un- trust grown women who go by Katie. By the way, so she is under fire because she said, "Quote: Okay, when you come to America, you should assimilate. Why do you need a little Havana?" It's, no, but she's right. She's right. Why do we need a little Italy? Why do we need Chinatown? So wait, 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 Why do we need... Wait, 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 wait. She, she also we should, said... Oh, we should all embrace American culture, so she also, which is nothing, She also said, because Stephen Miller, which is her husband, yes. he is Trump's advisor. I actually think he is the worst person in the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. The worst. I think he's worse than Trump. I think he's worse than, um, well, Mitch McConnell for the Republicans. I think he is the worst person in the trump administration the worst like he is a person i fear the most so and he so actually, what was this in reference to where did this so come from? so they were talking about like immigration mm-hmm. right because stephen miller is the advisor of trump about regarding immigration okay so in reference to the kids being separated mm-hmm. right at the border and this you know again whatever side of that argument you're on right this is what she said okay. quote my family and colleagues told me when I have kids, I'll think about separations differently. But I don't, but I don't think so. The Department of Homeland Security sent me to the border to see the separations myself, to try to make me more compassionate, but it didn't work. And that's when her uterus left her. So, it just crawled out her so vagina my, and said, my, my answer to you... Um, At least she's not trying to be a hypocrite about compassion. Well, that's true. <laughs> That's true. Listen, you know who she is. She's coming at so you. So again, she She's said, when you come you. to America, why should you assimilate? Why do you need little Havana? My, so, you know, her whole thing is that when you come to this You should be America, American. American. You should be American. Right. I, my answer to her is... What is well, American? Well, I was like, well then, if that's the case, then we should all be following and practicing the culture of Native Americans. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's all, you know. Because if you say that, I'll be like, well, they were the people they who owned here. this land. They were American culture. They were American culture. You, no, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, again. You want American culture? You got American it's culture. Like, it's like, you know what? Like, when people say things like that, it's just like, okay, what do you want me to assimilate to? Laziness and braggadocio? Because those are that's America culture right there. Mm. Hot dogs? Nope, sorry, sweetheart. That started off in Germany. Apple pie? Pretty sure started off with the Dutch. Hamburgers? Europe. Um, what else? What else? What have you got? What have you got? Fried Oreos? Ramen noodles. Ra- I mean, yeah, like <laughs> bastardizations of other cultures. That's what's American culture? Like, go fuck yourself, you stupid cunt. <laughs> okay, that's a strong word for our podcast. Oh, Even she, for us. She pissed me off. She pissed right. me off and I'm two drinks in. Right. So, again, that is the type of comments without going too deep down the political rabbit hole. It's not a political thing. That is that the type of comments that we are now just accepted. It like just is. People from the government say these type of comments. Cuando, before the current situation we are in, mm. would you have heard anybody from any in any elected office or anybody working in the Denigrate government, a culture. no matter what party they're from or what part of the aisle they're from, say something like that about... Denigrate a culture. Yes. Right. Why do we need a little Havana? Like... 
Ah, no, pero espérate. I'm sure. I'm Esa, sure, espérate. I'm sure, I'm sure the espérate, for... espérate. Porque here's what I'm going to say about that. Cuando llegue esa vieja resabiosa aquí en Miami, que no, que no vaya a comer en, en Betsaye. Right. Porque I live three blocks down y voy y la arranco por los pelos. Right. So, so no, I mean, it, it would be curious to sit down with her and ask her. Especially, especially the Cuban, for, for better or worse, the Cuban community has been such a supporter of the Republican Party. Yeah. So, like, of all the people but, that you're going to attack, you're, but, I mean, I, that, but, but, just, that just doesn't even make sense from that perspective. Right. No, I, I agree. <laughs> but, but people that feel that way don't see it like that. They just see it as immigrants. You're an immigrant. Assimilate. You know, and there's something to be said about assimilation. I mean, I, I do think that obviously if you come to live in the United States or you're an immigrant in any country, there's certain customs that you have to come ac uh, across, right, right, you, know, right. uh, uh, you know, succumb to you or, or adopt because it's just going to make your life easier, right, right? right? But of course, you know, you can be very proud to be an American and still be very, very proud of your heritage and your culture, you know, wherever es porque, it may be from. Es porque la mayoría de esa gente no they don't have a culture to speak of. Their culture is, quote-unquote, America. And again, I reiterate, what does that mean? Right. What does that mean? Well, I would love to know. I don't know too much about her. And if you're going to uh, say rock and roll, you damn well better acknowledge the, uh, the, the presence of, that black people had in the creation of rock and roll. Right. I would, I would love to know what her background is. Bitch. Right? What, <laughs> what is her background? Like, because... Unless she's Native American, yeah, they came her, from somewhere. Her ancestors got on a boat. Yeah, she unless she she doesn't look Hopi to me. Yeah, her ancestors got on a boat from somewhere or a plane or a, or a horse somewhere. or something, a wagon trail. I don't know. They something. got here somehow. 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 So, um, so moving right along. Uh, so kind of like really really sad news uh, that's coming out about Naya Rivera. Oh, have they found her body yet? As of today, fake Friday, they haven't. But okay. I mean, at this point in time, I was watching the news. It's a recovery effort. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's presumed. She's presumed dead. Is it a big lake where she? So for those of you who don't know, Naya Rivera played uh, Santana on. I was gonna say on Greece, on Glee. Um, over this week, she was in a boat. She rented a boat, went out sailing with her young son. The kid's about what four? He's he's yes, young. He's, four. he's, he's young. Four. They, she never took the boat back. They sent a, you know, another boat out to go look for the boat. Basically, they tell her like, "Hey, come back." Yeah. And all they found was the kid in the boat, um, wearing his life vest. But they found her life vest or an adult life vest in the boat. And so they're still, as of this, they're still looking for her. But man, it's sad. It's sad. Like, do they have? Not, like, seriously, do they have like a curse? Like the, the Glee, Glee curse? Because I mean, three of them have already died, and they're young people. Yeah, but I mean, I would say to a degree. I mean, I know, I know, we're calling it the Glee curse because you know, shorthand. But I would say that I don't know if I'd call it a curse necessarily because, on the one hand, you know, with the exception of Naya, the other two that that have died were essentially by their own hand. Right, but nonetheless, it's like unfortunate circumstances, you know. Right, and like, right. It was, I don't know, like that quick three people dying that are young of a cast is yeah, like, they were all like I think she, I'm not sure but I think she was the oldest one she was the only one she's 33 33 yeah right so you know but all these stories about Leah Michelle being a horrible human being <laughs> I've I've 
I, I mentioned it to you. I've enjoyed speaking. Uh, I, I chat a lot with Stephanie from Mamas and Merlot. I've enjoyed, you know, because Stephanie really knows about Broadway and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know. I just know Hamilton. Oh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute about okay. Hamilton. Still haven't seen it. Um, so she's more up to date on all that right, stuff. Right, right. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, she's like, because you know what? I, told you, I, I, I always heard she I, was You know that I'm one cute. that I'm not, I don't really believe celebrity news. Right, because everybody says what they want to say about you, and you don't, you don't, you can't always defend yourself. Like I love reading Us Weekly, and it's like a source says, I'm right, like, right? So who is this source? Right, like, or it becomes like you know, oh, so and so is an asshole because they didn't, you know, give me an autograph. Right, you it's know, like, it's define, like no, you define were asshole, define difficult. That circumstance, right? But right. when you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like yeah. everybody that has worked yeah. with you, come and out and say you're a horrible human being. Right, it's not like, like oh, you know, she was difficult. Right, right, right. Or oh, you know, she, she wasn't, wasn't very, deep. she wasn't very personable on the set. Right, you know, she kept her distance. You know, I tried to be friends with her, but she kept her distance. That's one thing. I mean, what they have come out and said of her is that she is like one hairline short from like Satan. Like, she might as she might be related to Stephen Miller. Like, I mean, which is like for all we know. <laughs> or she might. Well, no, she might be Satan and Elizabeth in Hurley in uh, Bedazzled. Bedazzled. <laughs> she looked so good in that movie. <laughs> oh my god! This week on EW, they did a feature on Charlize Theron, mm-hmm. and she took her own like moving 3d pictures or whatever and i'm like this woman even taking her own pictures on an iphone looks phenomenal well yeah i mean, I mean sure at least they're all just can't. yeah whatever so yeah so <laughs> um oh, leah michelle horrible person it seems but speaking of Broadway, as you mentioned, Hamilton debuted yes. this past weekend. I have seen it four times. I have yet to see it. I don't me, have. I don't have Disney me, Plus. That, but I give you. <laughs> I love how that was. No, because when I everybody, saying, I'm everybody like, knows exactly what you said, no, but without saying. When it. I started saying, I was like, "Oh, legal reasons, <laughs> law." I know a thing or two of. <laughs> just knows exactly what you said at that point without you having said it for the so, record okay so but I mean remember I was away for the 4th of July right, right, so right. you know I've open. seen it four times already right I've seen it four times so what do you, I've heard, I, I've heard I, so the cast recording I'm so not in, I'm, I'm not into musicals I, I've seen some musicals and you know musicals are something that I can certainly appreciate the artistry behind it you know it's and just I, not your thing I love music I love I'm a huge music, fan yeah. of music in general it's just that I, sometimes they're either too long or it's right. just too song and dancey, and it's like, oh my god, can we move on, please? Right, right. Move on. And the, and Hamilton, and specifically, there's so much hype about Hamilton, right, for quite it, some time yeah. that the bar to say the bar was high is yeah. an understatement. You very easily could have walked away from being like. Yeah. The bar was practically in another galaxy of how high it was, <laughs> you know, because it's like freaking Hamilton, right. you know. And I have to say that from the very beginning, mm-hmm. it just grabs onto you. And when I when I finished watching it, I was like, because I told you I watched it with with um, subtitles, subtitles mm-hmm. because most of it is hip hop, yeah. so it's very quick. There's like a couple of rap battles, which are even yeah, quicker, yeah, right. and they're shooting out American history at you like a hundred miles a second. Right. So. I wanted to really capture like the historical context of it. And when I finished watching, I'm like, oh my God, like this man really is a genius. Like how the hell did he put that together? Like, yep. because, you know, again, and, and, and you know where he got the idea. I'm sure you've From probably, the autobiography? Yeah. He, well, not autobiography because I don't think Hamilton wrote. Well, from but, the biography. Yeah, of- he basically literally was reading. I, I read, you know, back when it was starting in its infancy. He was like on vacation after In the Heights and after a whole bunch of other productions and things that he did. 
And he was just reading the Alexander Hamilton biography. And he was like, yeah, this thing was like, you know, a thousand pages. Mm-hmm. And he says that once he's finished reading it, he was like, this would make a really good show. But what, what I thought was amazing <laughs> was, and I know that, you know, he followed some of the basic rules of like, you know, um, Broadway or like musical. Right, right. The, right you know, the structure. The structure of it. What I just thought was so interesting, like, for example, um, the I forgot her character's name. That she is the Eliza? sister. of She's Eliza's sister. Eh... Uh... Oh my god, I can't think of it now. I think it's amazing that all her like every every line of her dialogue or singing rhymes. Like it all rhymes like throughout the entire freaking musical. <laughs> and like the whole thing, I'm not going to miss my shot, you yeah. know, that it's like I'm not going to wait my shot. Right. I'm just that, like my country, I'm young, scrappy and hungry yes, and I'm not going to wait. But, but that my is shot. what, you know, carries through the whole musical. That's the through line, yeah. The through line but it's what it, the ending is about, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, I, I was like, how did he... Because I, I was thinking, like, I wouldn't even know where to begin to, like, write that mammoth, like, well, monster of well, a musical. Because first of all, and this is... It's funny because, as uh, you know, again, hmm, with everything that comes out, there has to be a counterpoint. And everybody has an op-ed. Um, you know, now, especially because of the times of Black Lives Matter, a lot of people came out and said, well, you know, yes, we shouldn't take away from the artistry, but, you know, that's not the full story of Alexander Hamilton right. and whatever. And that's true. But I also will remind people who say that, who will come out and say, well, you know, he doesn't talk about X, Y, and Z. I'm like, yes. And I right, get like it. Eliza's family were major slave Right. And I get uh, it. Owners but and... that's just the fact of a matter of any time you tell a story, especially you have to tell a story in a finite amount of time. Right. Like, you can't just start going and diverging because let's let's remove ourselves from Alexander Hamilton. Anybody's life, if you start to make a biography, even a, mu- a movie, let's not even talk about a musical, you have to whittle it down. You have to have a, a, a narrative. You can't just be going all over the place because then it's like, what are you telling me? Right. Like, what is your, what do you want me to take away from this, right? right? So I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I would argue that what their their problem is with storytelling. But yeah, to your point, how do you sit back and say, okay, I've got this man's entire life. What is the part that I'm going to focus on? Like, how do I whittle this down to three hours? Because it's like two hours and 40 minutes. How do I whittle this down? Mm-hmm. You know, when did Alexander Hamilton die? He was, what, in his 30s? Mm-hmm. To two hours. Um, yeah. I That's mean, amazing. I mean, it is. And, and no, I mean, obviously the thing with with slavery, I mean, th- that that's something that, you know, now... Anytime you have some type of depiction of American history, especially in that which was, you know, the revolution mm-hmm. that was around the time of the revolution or after the revolution, you know, it, it's it's a very sensitive subject that, of course, should be addressed. And well, we we've talked about it here on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, but again, but it's depend. But um, but that's not the story I'm telling. Quote unquote, right, right, you know? right, right. No, I and and I I understand the criticism in the sense that, you know, th- we're in a. And time changes in a blink of an eye, right? You know, and I'm sure that if he were to write Hamilton now, he'd probably make some di- some changes, some other choices, you know, yeah. that he didn't initially do. Um, and and you know, and there are a certain you know attacks on or references to slavery in the show that obviously are negative, um, as well as he should be. Mm-hmm. But what actually I wanted to tell you was like in terms of characters, I freaking mm-hmm. love love um, David Diggs. Oh, David, 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 David Diggs, who played um, Lafayette and then Thomas yeah. Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I freaking love him. Love him. I thought he was so good. I well, you watch Blackish, don't you? You know, you know what's funny about Blackish is that I've seen a couple of shows and I love it, but it's one of these shows that I just never catch on television. Okay, well, no, he plays uh, Tracy Ellis Ross's brother. 
Oh yeah, on Blackish. Yeah, and he's headlining. Did you ever see the movie Snowpiercer? No. Okay. Well, there's a show now on TNT, and he's the main character there. Yeah. That show's really good. Yeah. But um, but no, he's I, he's fun. I liked him. I Leslie liked... Odom Jr. Oh my god, I've loved him since freaking Smash. That um, that's Alibur. And um, George Washington. Who is George Washington? He was in the Heights. Stephanie told me. The, okay. the actor. But, but, but I mean, the whole cast. I mean, they were all, they were all like great. And again, I was so like, man, you know, like, I don't want to be that person that watches this and be like, oh, <laughs> like, this was such but a. But it could have easily gone that way. Yeah, this is like so, like, whatever. It's not a big deal. <laughs> like, like I didn't want to be that person. And I even said, like, you know, if I watch Hamilton. And I don't like it. I'm like, oh, you know, it was good. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would have found something. You would have been like, you know, it was great how they got so much history in there. Yeah. You would have said something like that. Yeah, like, but very... oh, like I re- I've watched it four times. Like I've wow. watched it four times. That is how much I loved it. The thing is that it's two of, it's two of your like, you know, like of your freaking like, you know, soft spots. It's American history and hip hop. Yeah. I mean, you it's know? almost like Lin-Manuel Miranda got into your head and was like, yes. how do I get Darian into a musical? <laughs> yes. How? How? Yeah, but I mean, again, when when you see that, it's like, man, this man is a genius. Because yeah. how... Yes. Like, do you start with the first song? Like, Alexander Hamilton. Like, I... Listen, the average musical takes at least, I think what I've heard is, anywhere between seven to ten years to mount. Yeah, well, I mean, kudos for him. Well, he's a great transition into he is. our interview. Into our, this week's guest. Yes, yes. This week's guest. Um, so, much like Lin-Manuel Miranda, we are huge fans of Walter Mercado. Huge. Huge. Walter Mercado. I mean, what's not to love? Mm-hmm. What's not to love? And this week, uh, on Netflix debuted a documentary called Mucho Mucho... Amor. Um, and so we have the two directors, uh, Christina and uh, Kareem, and the producer, Alex, on our show this week. And they are two Miami boys. She's not a Miami girl, but she's Argentinian. So, you know, she's, she's got some Latina cred. Um, but we talk about we talk about a lot of things, uh, but mostly the, the documentary and really what it was like to to create this this love letter. Because I think, mm-hmm. I mean, we've both seen the documentary at this point, mm-hmm. and I think it's safe to say it is a love letter to Guatemala and to our Latino culture, really, in a way. It really is. It, it, I mean, it, it really is because I think that he's one of those things that you don't realize that that's culture. When you're when you would be at home as a kid watching him, right. and abuela was watching Guatemala or whomever, you didn't realize the significance and importance. Of that in the grand scheme right. of things, right. in terms of culture, but he very, very much is because, as you know, we talk about in the in the interview or and, 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 and in the documentary, there is. Well, like I said, no matter what Spanish-speaking country you were from, you know what the you know what the you know what the Mexicano. That's it. That's it. That's it. And it's funny because, like I mentioned, I'm like I'm surprised there wasn't already a documentary about him. You know, the fact that there wasn't one right. was, I think, a little more surprising to me than anything else, but. <laughs> You know what? Without further ado, we have the directors and producer of the Netflix documentary, Mucho Mucho Amor. So, welcome back, mi gente. Now, as we mentioned, we've had some great guests on the show. But these guests, these three people who we're talking to today might actually be my favorite by proxy of the fact that they have created a documentary 
based on probably one of the most fascinating people that we didn't even stop to think about how intensely fascinating he was. And so we have Alex Fumero, Kareem Tapsch, and Christina Constantini, who are the producer and directors of the Mucho, Mucho, Mucho Amor documentary that is premiering, actually premiered as of this episode yesterday on Netflix, depicting the awesome, fantastic, fabulous, all words escape me, Walter Mercado. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So we saw the documentary. Uh, the, you know, we had a screener and, and we saw it. Um, thank you guys for making me cry on a Sunday evening is basically what I'm about to say uh, first and foremost. It was a documentary I didn't know I, 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 I was expecting. You know, again, Walter Mercado is super fascinating. Of course he'd have a documentary, but he hadn't. How did this all come about? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Well, uh, I mean, we all grew up watching Walter with our abuelitas, like, you know, uh, Primer Impacto would be on, you yes. get dropped off to be babysat, and then, like, Walter comes on the TV and you get shushed immediately. <laughs> um, and everyone has to be very quiet and focus on the TV screen. Um, and as a kid, he just, like, is like a wizard that appears <laughs> on your television, which was, you know, obviously leaves an impact. Um, and then when we got older, I think all of us kind of had similar questions, you know, like how did this guy, first of all, how did this guy become so famous in a world that's like pretty much East and homophobic at times, you know, bit. um, a little bit. And, and also, you know, what happened to him because he was on TV every day. And then it wasn't like Saul Gigante where they were like, we're canceling the show. It was more like he's gone, you right, know? Right. Um, and so so I met Kareem through a mutual friend and Walter was having an estate sale in Miami mm -hmm. and Kareem was going to go to the estate sale. And I was like, man, like you should do a documentary about him. Like, like he hadn't thought of that already. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to try to buy capes 
but I'm also going to try to do a documentary. And I was like, oh, I'd love to help. And he made contact with one of the nieces, and we set a time to talk on the phone because I was in New York. He was in Miami. And half an hour before that, Christina calls me. And we had worked together at Fusion, and she was like, I heard you're obsessed with Walter Mercado. I want to make a movie about him because I would walk around talking about him all the time. And, uh, and I was like, this is so weird. I have a call in like 30 minutes, uh, with, with another director, but like, I feel like maybe this is like a cosmic thing and you guys have different kind of styles. So maybe we can all do it together. And so, uh, they both agreed like kind of like blind date arranged marriage situation. And they got together and decided to, to co-direct and the rest is kind of history. Wow. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious. So when you guys apl- approached a distributor in this case, Netflix, how, how did that go? Because I mean, here you're selling this documentary of this, astrologer kind of icon in the Hispanic community, but kind of was, you know, out of sight for a bit. How, how did that pitch go? Well, at first it was very hard. You know, we first we, we tried to raise money. There are a few ways that a documentary can get made. One of those ways is by raising money and then selling it at a film festival. So initially we wanted to do that. And so we wanted to raise all of this money to, to be able to go do that. And um, we had a lot of trouble uh, raising money because, in part, because many of these rooms are filled with white people who have no idea who Walter Mercado is. And so um, pitching him was very, very difficult. And it wasn't really until we found a place, or a couple places with young Latino execs mm-hmm. that really got the importance and the cultural significance of Walter that we got this thing financed. But uh, we uh, were, what is it that you say, Korean bubblegum? And... Yeah. Well and bubblegum. It's now how it happened for the first year and a half. Yeah, we were really building the plane, or the runway as the plane was taking off. <laughs> we were also building to play, <laughs> but it was it was really rough. I mean, we did not have the funding. We were dipping into our savings. We were you know deferring payment. It was really a scrappy kind of a scrappy project for a minute there, and then Netflix came in and saved us. So literally a labor of love. <laughs> How long? Yeah, how long would you say you guys were working on on this from from inception to where we are today? From inception to where we are today, we we actually just figured this out this week was three years. Okay. Actual filming was just shy of two years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. it was it was kind of serendipitous in a in a weird way, right? Because obviously, you know, when you start filming a documentary, it's bef- you know it's well before. You guys weren't filming it because of the the I don't know the the exhibit at the Miami Museum, right? I mean, you had started way before that, and then yeah. that, that came along, and I mean, he was he passed away like three months after that exhibit. So, I mean, you guys, I don't want to sound like a ghoul, but you guys got lucky in that in that regard to to be. I mean, timing was literally everything in this case, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We got lucky in that we were able to spend the last two years of his life with Walter, mm-hmm. and that if we had waited any longer, we would not have been able to have made the film. I mean, and we thought about it. We had like really intense discussions, like should we wait till we can raise some money? 
and to this right from the beginning. And uh, I think we all had the sense that uh, that that didn't make sense because Walter was, you know, already kind of advanced in age, and, uh, and who knows how long it was going to take to raise some money. And I think that that was the wise decision at the end of the day because, um, you know, had we started the project a year, we we wouldn't have been able to start the project a year later. Walter's health had uh, started to seriously decline; his mobility was limited, and he wouldn't have had, honestly, probably would have not had the the energy and wherewithal to do it, to start day one if we would have waited. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so timing is everything. It's interesting yeah. that you're saying that because, I mean, in the documentary, the deterioration of his health it is very noticeable, especially at the end. And, I mean, obviously that's something, as you said, that you guys weren't expecting. Um, so I, you guys got to know him in a way, you know, that very few people have. So even though we all grew up watching him, what, you know, what would you say or what would you like, you know, listeners and the viewers of the film to know about Walter, the man, you know, the person, you know, that maybe is, you know, something different or, or maybe exactly what you see on TV. Yeah. You know, we, we, when we started this project, we didn't know what to expect and we knew we loved the person that we saw on television, but who, who knows, you know, people say never to meet your heroes right. because they're never what you want them to be. Um, and so, you know, we didn't know if Walter was going to be an asshole or what, you know? And, and so, and so a, guy with, up. a guy with that many capes has to be, you know, has to be some type of a jerk, right? Yeah. I mean, we were like, is this guy a psychopath? Like, why does he have so many capes? Like, what's going on? Right. So, so you know, and if he was an asshole, that would be the story of the documentary. But we showed up and we met the, you know, basically an angel on earth um he is the kindest person i think any of us had ever met he is truly so full of love um there's no way you know he you can't fake it the what what he is is truly a loved filled creature he always cares so much about how everybody else is doing he um he has an incredible sense of humor. I think that we didn't realize. You don't really see that on television every day. And he was also brilliant. And everything that he did was considered and had, um, and, and he had thought about a lot. You know, we see those capes and we see them as funny and extravagant and, you know, and, and adorable. But they were all intentional. He, he would call them estupideces, stupid things that he would wear to get people to pay attention to his message of love and peace. And his message was much more important to him, but he knew he had to look fabulous for that message to go anywhere. Uh, and, and it worked. I mean, we're here talking about him because he, he really cracked the code uh, and understood his audience. And so, yeah, he's a brilliant man, a hilarious man, but above all, he is who you would want him to be. He is full of love. Yeah. yeah and I, I think, I think people underestimate him a ton and it like, you know, when we went to Puerto Rico, we first worked with this Puerto Rican DP who's very well known there named Hochi Melero. And Hochi like, had taken pictures of Walter his whole life. His dad had taken pictures of Walter. And the first thing that he told, he was like, it was almost like when you meet someone's dad and they're like, what are your intentions with my daughter? Like, it was a little <laughs> bit of that kind of conversation. And he was like, let me tell you something. Walter, Walter no es un lightweight. Walter is a heavyweight and we were like okay and then he went on to explain that it's, it's a lot of what Christina's saying it's just like like you may not believe in astrology you may not believe in Santeria you may not believe in God at all 
right? But like Walter knows everything there is to know about all of those things. He might as well have a doctorate in world religions, right? So like, like if you're gonna before you underestimate this dude because he looks like Liberace, maybe get to know him a little bit. Yeah. It's funny, you guys, uh, he always gets compared to Liberace. I mean, obviously the visual is there, but watching it, I actually felt a little more like, like you said, he was smart. He was he was very quick. I felt a little bit more like watching um, Paul Lind when he would do the Hollywood Squares. That's yeah. the vibe I got because, you know, there were times where there were, there were little comments and little snide remarks and he had a zinger, but it was never bitchy. It was always just like, I can play this game and we're going to have this you know, rat-a-tat back and forth. And, and I think that's very, very, like you said, it was underestimated. You know, people thought they were just going to get in there and hacer lo que querían con él. And he was like, no, I can, I'll play along, but I'm not going to be your bitch. Right. right. It's interesting because, you know, I, I was thinking like, Liberace comes up uh, often because of the visual look. You think like, who had you, who had we had like in, uh, you know, English dominant uh, uh, culture uh, that was kind of, came came on screen being so uh you know so obviously queer right and you think i think of paul in and i think of charles nelson riley oh yeah in the 70s and liberace you know but the, i mean the thing about both paul in and and like charles nelson riley is that they were they were caddy that their humor was based on a cattiness and and Walter, yeah, every once in a while, it's like, oh, so yeah, but in the most playful, light way. But yeah. he didn't, you know, hit, like, he had the fabulousness and the wit, but there was never at the expense of someone else. Right. Uh, in fact, he would, you know, he would, he was in on his own joke. He knew that he was over the top and fabulous, and um, and he would use that and lean in on that to uh, to to make you laugh. Um, and that's part of his brilliance, you know, the fact that he knew it and he would use that. Um, and he was very disarming because he was incredible, incredible so, charm. So what do you think it was about him? Because, I mean, obviously that's something that you guys touch upon in the documentary. But, you know, it, it certainly was something that followed him in his whole career. What do you think about him was, you know, so people accepted so much, you know, he was he was in terms of, you know, gender nonconformity, in terms of, you said, you know, queerness, but yet in the Hispanic community... He was community, non-binary before that was even a term. Was that, that was, yeah, exactly. Yet in the Hispanic community that we're so, like, you know, homophobic and machismo and, you know, a man, how, why do you think that that, just when it came to him, it didn't matter and people still flocked to him and loved him? People of all walks of life. Yeah, I think he got a pass because he was kind of magical and mystical. Um, and, and, you know, he went, you have to think about Walter landed on TV in 1969 as an astrologer. He had been a telenovelas star before that in Puerto Rico, but when he landed on television, he's wearing these extravagant robes, jewelry, this feathered hair, this lacquered on makeup. Uh, and he looked unlike anything you had ever seen, yeah, right. male or female. And he challenged that, but then here he is talking to you about astrology and, uh, uh, horoscopes and religion, and he, you know, he mixed them all in together, and uh, and he looked like an alien. He looked like like an alien in the sense like we've never seen anyone who looked like that who challenged the notions of masculinity in that way. And he told us something good because his message was always positive. So he kind of endeared himself, um, and at the same time, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't talk about being different. 
he didn't talk about being different in the sense that he didn't come out of the closet. So uh, abuelitas and people who kind of first encountered that, it was just they were so mysticized by this guy who brought them good news. And he reminds us a lot of like Juan Gabriel yeah. in the sense that, you know, they always showed us who they were, even if uh, they didn't put a label on it. And, uh, and you know, you, you kind of get a, 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 a free pass when you're, when you're magical. When you're magical. <laughs> no questions that. I like unicorn. That. I like that. So something I was really curious about in terms of the composition of the documentary and like the story arc was that a lot of people didn't know about the legal issues that he was going through with uh, uh, Bill Bakula. Um, so I'm just curious from the side of documentary makers, you know, is that something you guys from the beginning wanted to address? Was it something that organically came up? And most importantly, how did you get him to sit down for an interview and be so such a big part of the documentary? Well, I'll let Alex talk about how we how we got him to sit down for the interview because um, Alex was super. He's an amazing producer, and if anyone's making a documentary, you should hire Alex Romero. But um, when we make ours, we'll hire Alex. <laughs> Um, but uh, to your first point, you know, when we set out to make the film, the three of us knew that Walter wasn't in the limelight, that we hadn't seen Walter in a long time, but we had no idea what happened to him. I think we were kind of like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And if you do enough Googling, and if you do enough searching through court records, you can figure it out. But uh, it's definitely, you know, we hadn't heard about it. Um, and the more we dug, the more that we found out, um, the more interesting it got. And so I don't, without spoiling too much, I, I don't, uh, there, Walter's manager was, who was very instrumental in, in making Walter a superstar also had a hand in what we call his downfall. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, it was, it was a very complicated relationship, but the truth of the matter is that, um, Walter would not be Walter. We would not be talking about Walter. We would not be know who he is if it were not for the brilliance of Bill Bakula. So um, I think that's part of the reason he wanted to be part of it and tell his story. But the other reason is, of course, Alex Romero. <laughs> <I'll let him laughs> <know. Well, laughs> I appreciate that. But, but I think that, I think that it's, it's more, I think when you approach someone like him, if you go at it, trying to do like a gotcha interview or, tr you know, I, I think then, then, then people, people smell that, you know? And I think that, I think that when you approach things, just trying to get to the truth, a lot of times people's perception of the truth is more flattering to them than you would think, you know, than someone else might think. And I, I, I just think, I, you know, it's this old thing of like, no one is when you're never the villain of your own movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like Osama bin Laden, <laughs> died thinking he was the hero of his movie you know what i mean so so when you know approaching someone like bill like he's not nowhere near close to that you know i just he's right. a guy who is a businessman who made certain deals you know and the way he sees it like you know he's responsible for a lot of good things in walter's life and the family is the problem yeah. right and he makes specific points about that and so when I talked to him, I wasn't really interested in like, you know, I was honest with him, but a lot of what I did was 
I showed him that I had studied who he was and what he'd done mm -hmm. and that I appreciated the work that he put into Walter's career. And I think that helped earn his trust because he knew I wasn't just some guy interested in like only the most salacious details of like, you know, their dealings. Right. 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 Well, it, it's very interesting because that's exactly, you know, with what you said, that's exactly how it came through because he didn't, you didn't portray him in a way that he was the villain, you know, like despite having villain eyebrows. That, that, you know, ruined Walter's career. I mean, you kind of put it out there and it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. He's just a Belen kid. He's just a Belen kid. You know? Well, I don't know. For some of us, for some of us public school kids, that's a villain. I'm just saying. I'm putting. I don't know. Yeah, that's well. That's sort of what I'm saying. Is like he's not evil, but he did go to Belen. So there's a question. Spent too many time, too much time around Cubans. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. That's where it's like it's like it's like the Joker meets the radioactive material. It's like you take an Argentine and and let Cubans raise him and that's what happens oh my god <laughs> wow if that's not a t-shirt for the press tour i don't know what is <laughs> i'm argentinian and the guys are cuban so we yeah, we're the worst so we're unbearable we're unbearable Ooh, that that that's a lot of ego going uh going all around yeah, i'm just gonna say yeah, yeah. cultural ego the poor Puerto Ricans that had to deal with us this entire time is awful. They didn't, they didn't know what was hitting them. We can't stand ourselves. We, like, we, <laughs> we are tired of ourselves by the end of the day. We're like, man, turn the fucking camera on. Let me not talk to anybody else. I mean, so I, have a, yeah. I have a covert video I recorded of YouTube talking about how you suspected that Al Pastor tacos were invented by Cubans. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Let me tell you something about do not work with a, an investigative reporter, co-director. You do not know when she's surreptitiously recording you in the corner. You don't you don't know what she has on you. You don't know. No. She no, I don't know what she has on me, and it's very it's very scary. Yeah. Don't believe the fake news media. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so I mean I you know and, and I really hope that all of our listeners do watch this. And I, I think all of our listeners probably by the time they hear this will have all binged it. You guys will probably be like the number one top 10, you know, Netflix show that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh, Sunday. I mean, it's, I'm putting it I'm out really, to the universe. Everybody's here. I'm putting it out into the universe, <laughs> you know, and what would you like if nothing else? And actually I'll, I'll ask each of you to, to answer this question individually as, as we wrap up here. What is it that each of you would like for people to take away from this documentary. I mean, we can start with ladies first. We can start with Christina. Patricia. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think uh, we live in a time when there's just so much hatred and so much division, um, and our politicians are very eager to tell us why we should hate other people. And I think I, for me, I, I think back on this lesson of love that Walter gave us as a child, and it seems so easy it seems so um you know basic but it's in many ways the hardest thing to put into practice is is to is to love people and to um love people who are not like you and to learn to constantly be learning uh and walter taught me that and i as an adult i, I try to remember it every day and i try to to live more like walter every day so i would hope that um people will will bring that to their own lives. I also just hope people will call their grandmas. After you're done watching this, call your grandma. 
because they, I know your grandma would love to hear from you. <laughs> I can tell you for certain. I would say, yeah, I would just say, I would just say, I think that like, don't worry so much what other people think. You know what I mean? Like Walter, Walter just did what he wanted to do. He dressed how he wanted to dress. He refused to like, he didn't allow labels to confine him. He didn't like, he didn't, he never even talked about like haters or critics. Like he just didn't, didn't, didn't cross his mind, you know? And I think that's like a lesson in today's like internet, you know, comment, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it day and age. Like, it's like, just do you. Kareem? Is Kareem frozen? frozen? Oh, frozen. I think he froze. He froze. Which he just... looks so pensive. I know. Yeah. I was I was like, wow, the pearls of wisdom that are going to come out. Just like. Are gonna... well, well, let me, let me, let me sneak in one last question, you know, while he un hopefully unfreezes or thaws out. What would you say is, you know, his allure and you know continued um you know i guess now renaissance because something that i really enjoyed that you guys showed was that this whole new generation of, of young people millennials and zillennials are now really into walter um what would you say appeals so much to this generation who probably didn't grow up watching him per se um you know what appeals to them of, of this man well, I mean, I think Walter was, he would say, 100 years ahead of his time, which I think is pretty accurate. He, you know, was genderqueer before genderqueer was a thing. We found videos from of him in the 70s saying that in the future there would be no gender, that gender is a construct. There will be, not be male or female. Um, and also, like, you know, he was extra before extra was a thing. That's what Alex, I love when Alex says that. It sure was. And he... And he's like perfectly reverse engineered for Instagram or for social media or TikTok. You know, like he is just loud and he's amazing outfits and, and, and I think he, he's he really speaks to this this kind of um, this independence and this idea that being uh, different is not weird. Being different is we should embrace it and, and we're all should in, embrace our individuality and I think that is very much this generation's um, beliefs and astrology of course astrology is very in right now um, but yeah I think there's a whole bunch of reasons honestly um, but mostly he's just so fabulous how yeah. can you be Walter yeah. yeah 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 he really was ahead of his time so well thank you so much guys yes. that was that was awesome yeah. this was I, I enjoyed this documentary so much and I'm, I'm I'm telling you this not just because we're interviewing you I mean it was it was amazing. It was amazing, and it was it was something that I think we so needed because the world, the world outside of the Latin community, really needed to know this man yeah. and needed to know the the legacy of Walter Mercado. I will say the only documentary so I, I enjoyed, you know, a little less, but it like comes in second to this one would actually have to be a little a short one I I recently discovered called Dolphin Lover. Um, <laughs> Nice. Kareem, me dejaste nice. con la boca abierta. Okay, after that. So I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it at that so people can discover it on their own. That's all I'm going to say. I always, I always like to say it pairs well with a nice Merlot. Oh. Child, I don't know what that pairs with. I mean, I have I, I mean, God bless. 
God bless. I don't even know who to God who to bless after watching that. But they all need church. That's all. <laughs> you can watch that, and then you watch the Walter Doc as kind of like like balance. Yes, right. Yes. Like, they gave the universe in balance. You know, I always you know, we always say like we've been lucky enough like, like for fifty plus years we've had Walter in our lives and in our culture, yeah. and now we get to share him with the rest of the world. So uh, that's really exciting. So everybody watch mucho mucho more on Netflix. Watch it repeatedly. We won't be offended. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I plan, I plan to watch it again this weekend when it premieres too. Yeah. Shoot. Hello. Yes. <laughs> I, I have to have the screening now at my parents' house. Right. And my aunt and uncle's yeah. house. So. There's multiple yeah. screenings. <laughs> and, 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 and be emboldened to bring back capes. I think that yeah. that's the other message. Like I was gonna uh, I, I was actually gonna, I was gonna ask Kareem if you actually wound up buying one of the capes at his uh, estate sale. But you know <laughs> Dude, I'm way too poor for it, is what I, I still discovered. I'm way too poor. But I did walk away with the caridad cobre. I had the caridad quote that was in Walton's bedroom, is in my guest room, and a crucifix off his wall. And I brought a whole bunch of half-broken tchotchkes to give to friends who I thought would be very excited about it. But then it was like they stayed in the closet because they were broken. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so <laughs> I have some Walter stuff in, Walter stuff in the house. But alas, no capes. But we did wear Walter's capes to did the you? premiere at Sundance. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Amazing! I'm jealous. We wear those capes. We wear those capes all the time. Like that anywhere. Was like, that's like why we made the documentary. It was just the <laughs> way. So that's really the reason <laughs> we made the doc so that we could play Walter Mercado drag. Basically, <laughs> I can't think of a better reason to make a documentary in my life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe if Halloween isn't canceled this year, you know, people will like start dressing up as Walter Mercado. You know, yeah, that's true. And then you know, inevitably at Party City, you'll have you know slutty Walter Mercado, because you know everything's got to be slutty version of everything. <laughs> no sex, sexy Walter. Mercado, I like so. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. And we're back. All right. Listen, I very rarely will tell you guys to pause our show, but feel free to pause our show and go watch Dolphin Lover on YouTube. Oh. Because it's only 15 minutes and you can come right back. You know, there's so much I have to say about that that I don't know what Where to, to start. Say. It's like, it's probably how Lin-Manuel Miranda felt when he started writing Hamilton. Let's just say that when you watch Dolphin Lover, you'll have that moment that you'll be like, what? Because I certainly had that moment. And then I played it to everybody in the office and everybody did was like, wait, wait, what did I hear? And for those of you who watch it, we want to we want to get DMs from you about it. Dolphin DM us about Dolphin it. Dolphin lover. lover. Dolphin lover. So um, yeah, that that was they were great. And um, these, these are times where I hate freaking Corona because I know that two two of them. I know Christina and Alex were were not in Miami, but Kareem is in Miami, so we could have like met them and we could have hung out with them. You know, like stupid Corona. Right. Stupid <laughs> Corona. Stupid Corona. So are you thirsty? I'm a little parched. So it's last soda time. Whoop whoop. So. My last soda goes to Javicia Leslie, who 
is being cast as the new Batwoman. Yes. Ruby now, generally, I'm not really into yes. comic books. Are, are we sure like we that. didn't we didn't mix up our last? I know, right? <laughs> but but you know, from actually even just doing our podcast, we've spoken to a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, that's true. Right, and something that we always ask is, you know, Black Panther Panther was great and all that. It was like an all black. Right. You know, cast and all that. That's fine. But why can't we just What's cast the next step? in general yeah. more people of color? Just in general. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an all-black movie. It doesn't have to be an all-black. Just in general, right. you know, whether it's the, the leading man or the leading women. The love interest. Woman, the love or, interest yeah. or uh, the superhero. Just in general. Yeah. Right? Let's and open they, it up. And they always talk about how... You know the numbers are there because a lot of times these movies do do well and Black but then Panther, they consider it a fluke, right? But then it's like, but this, but that, but that, and then you go right. Back Black to... Panther's not a black movie; it's a Marvel movie, right? It's, right. You know, Wonder Woman is not a female fronted action movie; it's right. Wonder Woman. And something that I've gathered because I mean I don't know the industry, so I I, don't, I can't make an educated right. opinion on it. But something I've gathered from the three years we've been doing this podcast and we've spoken to a lot of people in the industry, whether it's writers, producers, directors, whatever, is that a lot of times, you know, the suits, you know, are the ones who don't want to take the chances on hiring, you know, people of color, LGBT. And we don't mean Gabriel Mock. (laughs) No. He no, would. No. He would. Harvey Specter would. He would. He would. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it was, It was. even though it's not something I'm particularly like a fan of in terms of, right, you right. know, the genre, but it was nice to see that they actually... When they recast this role. They recast it right. And I also believe she's LGBT. Yeah, um, she's bisexual. So, you know, it's like two birds. Which actually was, <laughs> that was a very important part of recasting um, the lead the lead character uh, because Ruby Rose is a lesbian and the character of Batwoman, Kate Kane, is a lesbian. So it was very important to them. Like if nothing else, it had to be somebody who fell on the LGBT spectrum. Right. You know, and people always say like, you know, you're an actor, an act, well, an actor is a proper word to say. Um, you should be able to play every any role that and you I agree. want. And I, I agree. In, in, in the but, principle but, of I, I, In the principle of the matter, yes, you right. should. But I think that that would be, that should be the standard if all things were equal. Right. If people of color and, you know, LGBTQ right. people were being casted, you know, at higher numbers or at higher yeah, for rates sure. for leading roles, not right. the token gay friend or right, the right. token black friend. The neighbor. You know? <laughs> right, or the neighbor, right, yeah. in leading roles. Yeah. Okay, if, if there was this opportunity for everybody across the board, then yeah, as an actor, yes, it you would should. be very challenging to be a transgender, you Individual, know, um, yeah, yeah. a transgender character, right? right? But but it's true, there there isn't. So where do these people get cast? Then what do they get casted? Like who casts them? Yeah, right. They get so- cast as murder victim number one on SVU. <laughs> yeah, uh, where's the lie? <laughs> where's the lie? <laughs> murder victim. They don't even have a name. They're they just have murder, a name. Victim, They're murder number victim number one. Murder victim number one. That's it. The call sheet. They, if they show up, they just get replaced. Like yeah. uh, you know, who cares? Right? Like yeah, yeah. So so that's my last soda. Well, so my last soda is going to be a little a little odd in that it's very specific. Is it the Heifer Corporation? It is not the Heifer Corporation. But so in the last couple of days, I've actually, because Amazon Prime now has the first three seasons of It's a Living. Yes! I've been binging. Yes! I've been binging. That and you know. not the French Riviera. Believe me. Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I think that if you're giving your last soda 
to it to li- you're giving it to it to living. Yes, but wait till I get to the reason. Okay, because I want to say I think that we should post the uh, deleted B roll of us <laughs> of us recreating recreating the, the intro of it to, to living when we went to LA. We have to you, just say you edited it. To I the know, song, I never didn't you? Okay, so you need to edit it because we're putting it out there into the world. Okay, <laughs> but the reason I'm giving it to them is um, because as, again, when you watch things back to back to back, you know you notice things you wouldn't have normally, right? There are two episodes that had Latino characters in it. Oh my gosh. No. But what I loved about it is that, and again, I'm giving credit to writers in like 1980 and 1981 who may not even be alive anymore. But there was one episode where uh, Cassie and Jillian's character was dating somebody who's Hispanic. And they made him, like they purposely made him Venezuelan. Oh, Wow. And then another episode, there's a baseball team that is staying at the hotel and frequenting I'm the, sure the that restaurant. I'm sure the white people at that point were like, look up look Venezuela. Up Venezuela. <laughs> exactly. And Dot befriends one of the baseball players who's from Costa Rica. Costa Rica in 1980. In 1980. How exotic. Right. So I'm giving it to them because I was like, you know what? Back then, like, it would have been very easy to just be like, they're from Spain or from Mexico. Yeah. Call it a day. We're not complicating this. We're not complicating this at all. This you is know, a 30 minute sitcom. At most. Like, you know, 22 if you have add commercials. <laughs> but they made them, you know, like actual Latinos. So I, again, I just, for what it's worth, I like that. You know, I thought that that showed some type of like thought okay, so, so into it. What do we like more? Do we like the. It's a living on network television or it's a living from. Because It's a Living had one of the most. Like it was strangest bizarre. runs. Yes, like yes. it was first. The first season I think was like on first two on NBC first, or ABC. First two or three were on ABC. On ABC, then it got canceled. No, so here's the thing. It's even weirder than that. Okay, first season starts had the five had five waitresses. Mm-hmm. Comes back for a sec. It didn't do well, but they came back for a second season. They got they, rid of. They got rid of one of recasted. They got rid of two of the girls. Brought back. Brought on just one new lady. They renamed it because it wasn't. They, they renamed, they renamed it making it, a living. Making a living, yes. Didn't do well. Then it went away. But at that time, cable had just started, and cable was looking for properties to put into some, you know reruns. So it's a living wound up there. It started doing well. That's when the first run syndication market started coming in. So the producers said, "Okay, let's bring this cast back." Mind you, this was like three years after the right, cancellation. Three, four years later, yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because you can. I remember as a kid, I used to watch It's a Living on Channel 33, yeah, and we, I loved we, it. we saw it on syndication. It was my favorite show. I loved yeah. it. And I couldn't quite understand, because, you know, you just don't, you know. It just child, looked different. You, you don't understand how syndication works. Right, right. You know? Yeah, 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 I didn't understand. I was like, okay, in some episodes, they look very, very different. And then in these other episodes, it looks new. You know, it looks like right, now. Right, right, right. And then, you know, like. Gail Edwards' hair was like this. Gail Edwards had like 18 different hairstyles throughout the run. The beginning, but then at the end, it was like this. And then I remember that, like, I'll never forget that in the, in like the syndication ones, they made like a reference to Greg Louganis in one episode. So I'm like, oh, this is new. This is new. This is new. (laughs) You know, back in 88 or 89. I was like, this is new. Um... But I feel like we grew up more with the syndicated. Yes. Like, yes. I mean, they were all run together, but I, because it was newer, quote unquote. Right. So we kind of gravitated. But it's weird because like when I think of It's a Living, I think of uh, Shirley. Uh, Shirley Lee, Ralph. Ralph and. Crystal uh, Bernard. And Crystal Bernard. Yeah. But I also think of Angelian. Right. Because she was the bridge. 
she left the show because of her breast cancer. Right, but she was in the first when it came back. She was in the first season. Right, and she left because with of Crystal breast Bernard. She, but left, she she was never with with Shirley Ralph. Yes. No, Shirley Ralph basically replaced. So Angelina. you want to know something really funny? We're having a whole segment this, about oh, it. Oh, it's a living. The first time. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I didn't watch The Wiz when I was a kid. The first time I heard "Ease on Down, Ease on Down" was on road, "It's a Living." Was on "It's a Living." Yeah. So when I finally saw the Wiz, I'm like, "Oh, that's a song from It's a Living." Because Shirley Ralph was a Broadway actress. Yes, yes. I actually, she, I love um, her song in the evening. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, you know that song. You don't mm-hmm. know you know that song, but you know that song. It's so good. It's a Living is so good. Like it, that show is hilarious, and I, I also think that the the writing is still very sharp. Like especially that first season, there were some one liners in there that I was like, damn. But I, I I like more the older, the newer ones. Well, I haven't gotten there yet. I like more the newer <laughs> ones because I just think Crystal Bernard really something. Crystal Bernard and uh, Shirley Ralph yeah. really added something to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To that cast. But then my favorite one always was Dot was um, Gail, Gail Edwards. Like I fellow Miamian loved her. I loved her, and when she came out on Full House, I was like, oh, "This is perfect." It's like, Dot. It's Dot. You it's know, Dot. Dot Higgins. Look, it's funny because in the first season of It's a Living, there's a character who's called Vicky. Mm-hmm. So every time that they say Vicky, I get confused. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the I know that the main star of the first episode was the other woman that they got rid of. Uh, yeah, she wanted to play the mother and Dharma and Greg. Yes, and then the second season they brought Louise Brooks, I think. Yes, for Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Yes, yes. that she was supposed to be the. She was the the first one in the credits. Yes. Yeah, and that didn't oh, no, work no, out no. either. So, yeah. but yes, we recreated the opening of It's a Living when we went to the Bonaventure. <laughs> yes, we did. Hotel in LA last year. And I was like, Iman, let's go to the front desk and ask where above the top restaurant is. Like, let's do it. The best part about that would have been if they had an answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know how many times people probably have gone throughout the years and be like, but where's probably above- not, not in 2019. Maybe. Like at this point. It's Maybe. gone away a little yeah. bit, I think. Yeah. But I'm sure people that work there probably know. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for the restaurant above the top yeah. <laughs> with the hostess, Nancy Beebe. Whatever. You Nancy and I, Beebe was freaking incredible. She, she was such a bitch. She was such a bitch, but her one-liners were so good. They were. They were. They were fantastic. That, they have the same producers as the Golden Girls. Yes, they did because they La did. Musiquita también was very similar. Yes, and the font <laughs> the is the same. <laughs> no, and the show, the show has... It has that sensibility. Golden Girls kind of Feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, that, you know, that 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 same sitcom like sensibility. Paul, like with Thomas. Okay. Tom Whedon was on worked on both, and Tom Whedon is actually Joss Whedon, who's the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer's okay. father. Okay, so here we go. What podcast? <laughs> is, what podcast in 2020 <laughs> is talking about It's a Living? Like it's like it's just you know the most and current if thing. You people listening, if you have not watched It's a Living, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon the first Prime. three seasons. The later seasons, I think, are a little bit better, but the first three seasons are still good. Yes. yes so yes. go watch It's a Living. It's a <laughs> bunch of wacky waitresses at the it's above great. the top restaurant in L.A. It's great. So anyway, well, that was a great episode. <laughs> So that was episode 117, everybody. Yes. We hope you listen, laugh, and learn. And as always, grab your croqueta, your pastelito, and your cafecito. And have a great weekend and a great Friday, everybody. Thank yes. you. Cuídense, mi gente. Bye. Bye. Pero Let Me Tell You is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano. Produced by Ismaeliano. And our theme, Better Let Me Tell You Freestyle, is composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes.
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 